Hi, this is Esti, host of the Friday A Public Affair. I hope you help us by contributing to WORT and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Bye. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Another no change without struggle. No one in power ain't giving up nothing. No change without struggle. No one in power. W-O-R-T, 89.9 FM, listener-sponsored community radio, Madison, Wisconsin. And hello, welcome to A Public Affair. I am Esti Dinor. Uh, we have a really essential show for you today. Um, we're going to look about whether oil and gas are... A main reason for what's going on in uh, Gaza currently, we will try to get to Ukraine too and maybe to other stuff. But this is the show for our 47th birthday and therefore we are raising money just today and tomorrow. So uh, we need to hear from you and with me to help me entice you to uh, start calling us right away or um, or uh, donating online is Karma Chavez. Hi Karma, how are you? Hey Esty, it's great to be back on the air with you. I'm uh, calling in from sunny Austin, Texas today, but happy to be Uh, virtually in Madison uh, to raise some money for my favorite radio station. And thank you so much for doing that. You look you look a little wintry yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though I, I, my blood has grown thick, I guess, or thin or whatever it is that makes you colder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Karma, do you want to tell our listeners quickly um, why they should pledge and what they can pledge for other than, of course, the information that they get here every week? But what are our premia, just really briefly, so we can get to our show, because there is so much information to share with our listeners. Yeah, well, let me just say, first of all, the, the sort of moral reason that I think folks should be uh, uh, donating to, to WRT. Uh, the last uh, month and a half, almost two months now, we've been living in uh, really uh, dire times, and one of the few places you can go for accurate news for a different kind of analysis is WRT. And so I really hope people... Are going to get out and support that mission um, and of course uh, there's lots of, uh, of good things that people can get for doing so um, the thing I have my eye on right now is a, a ribbed knit black hat um, from uh, uh, from the station it's, it's got a embroidered WRT logo um, so I really think that would be a great thing for people to get for those cold days up there uh, in Madison and um, You know, it actually looks like we're getting started on a good foot. We, we already have a, a, an online donation. Yay. Thank you so very much, Ronnie. Really appreciate hearing from you and also from Summer, who um, already has increased their um, monthly donation. And uh, Summer likes a public affair, perpetual notion machine, and tropical rhythms. Thank you. Very much. And, you know, how about we hear from, oh, there's another one, Anonymous. 
Thank you so much. Uh, you know, if you if this goes on like that, we won't have to pledge rap, and and that would be outstanding because our guest has so much information. So, Karma, tell them just about a couple, three more things that they that you know we have as premium, and we'll get to our um, guest. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to say we're already doing great because we need 20 donors this hour, and, and we've already got three. Uh, and that's in the, the first five minutes of the show. So this is fantastic, folks. Just keep it up. Uh, we really want to make sure that you, you know, get on the phone at 608-256-2001, extension 1, uh, and uh, jump online at wortfm.org uh, to make a donation. Um, again, uh, talked a little bit about that hat. There's also the very awesome uh, embroidered patch that you can get. There's the uh, wart sticker set. So all sorts of things. You can find them online at wortfm.org uh, when you jump on there to make your online donation. Yeah, or if you call 608-256-2001, extension 1, the, the um, receptionist can uh, tell you what you can get. But again, we know you're not pledging or donating to get bling right you're doing it because you appreciate what you get here every week and let's you know since we have already three uh donors let's get right away to our guest charlotte dennett a former reporter in the middle east is an investigative journalist author and attorney she's the daughter of america's first master spy in the middle east daniel c dennett by investigating the plane crash that killed him after a top secret mission to Saudi Arabia, she discovered the role of protecting the oil at all costs, as stated by her father, in the Middle East wars, including the post 9-11 endless wars and now the war in Ukraine and the Israel-Hamas war. And Charlotte wrote the book. Her latest book is Follow the Pipelines, uncovering the mystery of a lost spy and the deadly politics of the great game for oil. Thank you so much, um, Charlotte, for joining us today. Um, I suppose when you saw the Israeli attack on um, Hamas, that wasn't very surprising for you, nor probably was the return to um, attacking civilians in Gaza as of basically last night, or was it? Oh, sadly. First of all, I'm, I'm so happy to be on your show because you're dedicated to getting the truth to the people. And what, have I, what I have uncovered is something that very seldom gets covered, uh, the oil and gas connection to these, these horrific wars. But to answer your question, um, no, I was not surprised uh, because of the person who's conducting the war, uh, Netanyahu, has always had a vision of wiping out Hamas, getting rid of the Palestinians, forcing them out of the state of Israel. Uh, he is a, a fascist, so um, it, it apparently does not bother him, uh, the level of destruction that's going on there. Uh, it's very, very disturbing, and uh, <clears throat> I have been among those who have called it out as genocide because it's so clear. It, it's textbook. You know, you, you attack a, a certain ethnic group, uh, you kill them, you force them out of their, their land, you deprive them of fuel and food. I mean, this is so horrific. It, it's, 
We're watching genocide on TV. Now, what are, what are our elected uh, officials going to do about it? That is a big question. And it's obviously not only in Israel, but in the United States. Right. And um, you write in your book about what you call the hidden history of pipeline politics in Palestine and Israel, which started, as I learned from uh, reading your book, a long time ago. Um, maybe we should start with uh, the role of Lord Balfour. We, people have been hearing recently about the Balfour Declaration, uh, but I, who grew up with the Balfour Declaration, I'm from Israel originally, um, did not know about the, the other part of the Declaration and its relationship to oil in the region. Tell us, tell us about that. Let's start there. Okay, well, that's so interesting uh, that you didn't know about it, and I, w- I, I would dare say the vast majority of people who are trying to get a hold of the history of the region will only hear that the Balfour Declaration was a British uh, statement in support of having a Jewish homeland in Palestine. And when I did my digging, I'm thinking Balfour, okay, he was the former, former secretary uh, of uh, Great Britain, and uh, he was very much involved in uh, trying to figure out how uh, Britain was going to get access to oil. Uh, and the, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. But the recipient of this was just a letter, and it was a letter to Lord Walter de Rothschild of the famous Rothschild banking and oil family. So uh, the point is that... Uh, in 1911, Winston Churchill was the first Lord of the Admiralty. That is, he was in charge of the British Navy. And he realized that he was going to have to convert the Navy's fuel from coal, which Britain had a lot of, to oil, which Britain had none of. So um, anyway, uh, Churchill uh, lamented that Britain would have to, quote, fight on a sea of troubles to get oil. And its first target during World War I was the oil of Iraq. And many of you may have heard about, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, which is, a, you know, a beautiful story, but you don't get the whole picture there. The whole point was to drive the Turks out of the region uh, because they control most of the oil uh, in the Ottoman Empire in the Middle East, but also to, you know, drive towards Iraq and get control of its oil. And they succeeded long story short. The next thing they had to consider is how are we going to ship the oil to market? Uh, How are we going to get it to our warships? And uh, if you look on a map, the easiest route was to go overland from Iraq towards the eastern Mediterranean, and uh, the perfect outlet they figured was Haifa, which was then Palestine. Uh, the pipeline was not built until the 1930s. By then, the uh, the uh, French and the British had pretty much divided up that area into what they call British mandates and French mandates. The whole idea was, uh, you know, they'll uh, exercise control over the Arabs, actually, and the Jews that were there, uh, until they could uh, govern themselves. That that was the the argument. You know, the Arabs had been promised independence if they joined with the British and fought 
the Turks, and then they were um, they they didn't get everything they wanted. Obviously, they were betrayed. So that's one of the first betrayals. Anyway, the pipeline was built, and uh, now I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is take you all the way up to. Well, first of all, I'm sorry. In 1948, uh, when uh, Israel declared its independence, uh, Iraq closed the pipeline. Uh, Iraq at the time was anti-Zionist, and they didn't want to support what they saw as a colonial settler state in the region, so it was closed. But uh, fast forward to 2003, you know, uh, and let's, uh, George W. Bush. Charlotte, before before we go there, um, oh, yeah, sure. I want to I want to ask you about the connection between Lord Balfour and Herzl, the uh, um, the father basically of Zionism, because I think that's that's also a very important angle. And I also want to ask our listeners to keep calling. We haven't heard, we haven't gotten any more pledges or donations since uh, Charlotte started talking. I would love to let Charlotte talk most of the hours so we don't have to pledge wrap. So uh, please, 608-256-2001, extension 1, or wartfm.org slash donate. Go ahead, Charlotte. Well, um, you know, Herschel wanted a safe haven for the Jews that, that had been terribly persecu- persecuted, And he had to, you know, wheel and deal, basically. You know, where where's going to be the optimal place? And he was he was well aware of the geopolitical... Whoops, there's my dog. <laughs> he was well aware of the geopolitical dynamics that were going on in the region. Uh, and he had conversations about um, protecting the Suez Canal. Um, but... Um, Now, on, I have to be honest about this. I've got so much in my book. I don't quite recall the nature of any conversations that Herschel may have had with Rothschild. But um, the fact that there was all this discussion about how to protect the British Navy with this oil, I suspect that that, that also factored into it. Yeah, so I don't have it in front of me either, but um, as I remember, um, Herzl, yeah, was um, was promising to the British that um, they will have access to the oil. So um, let's go on from there. But first, Karma, tell people why to pledge quickly, please. Well, I, I before I did that, I just we got a new uh, pledge in um, actually uh, just now from uh, oh. from Jerry. Uh, and so we're really grateful for for your pledge. Um, very Thank exciting. You. So uh, hope other folks are gonna get on the phone. It's six oh eight two five six two thousand one extension want to do the same. Uh, I wanted to say that one of the things for me, and I hope that you will agree why this is a good thing to support WRT, is uh, just looking at, at some of the programs that WRT is doing. And so um, seeing the commitment to communities of color, to underrepresented groups, to Hmong communities, indigenous communities locally, and bringing those voices into the journalistic space with uh, the upcoming uh, journalism collaborative, I just I think it's it, it's crucial that this kind of work is supportive, especially in a time where, Uh, places around the country are trying to do everything they can to ban DEI programs, to ban teaching about the histories of race, ethnicities, etc. 
Um, and here we have WORT as a leader um, in really uplifting those voices. And so uh, for me, that's just a huge reason uh, to get on the phone. No donation is too small, um, but to show how much this kind of work matters to you, 608-256-2001, extension 1, or online at WORT.org. Yeah, and if you appreciate the coverage in recent weeks of what's going on in Gaza, I think you should uh, really donate or pledge right now and uh, help us be able to talk with Charlotte and tell you about a lot of things that, um, seriously, I have not heard anywhere else. Um, yeah. Just no, um, truly original journalism that you're, you're, you're engaging in right now. Yeah, so 608-256-2001, extension 1, or wartfm.org. We trust you to um, keep donating or pledging, and we are going to continue um, talking with Charlotte Dennett about her book, Follow the Pipelines, Uncovering the Mystery of a Lost Spy and the Deadly Politics of great the Great Game of Oil. So... Um, you also, before we get to um, 2003 and, and Bush, you also talk about what happened during uh, World War One, and you said it wasn't World War One was not about making the world safe for democracy, as we've been told. What what was it about? No, well, a lot of it was about dividing up the Middle East. You know, everyone thinks about the war in Europe. And yet the war in the Middle East was absolutely crucial because of the reliance now on oil. Oil was considered cheaper and more efficient. It made the ships run faster. So um, there, was, there was a huge scramble for oil. And um, as I say, the British succeeded in getting the oil of Iraq. Now, what about the Germans? One of the great lessons of World War One is uh, the Germans ran out of fuel. Uh, Hitler fumed over this and vowed that it would never happen again. And, uh, yeah, so that was a lesson. Actually, it also did happen in World War II. Uh, the Germans also ran out of gas. <laughs> and so this was a lesson for every superpower. Um, if, you, if you want to be a great power in this world... Uh, then you have to control oil for your military machine. And so what I uncovered were, were these incredible schemes uh, uh, that involved wars, involved assassinations. Um, it, it just it, it got very ugly. And uh, my, I consider my father one of the first victims uh, of the World War II uh, great game for oil. Explain but, what you mean by that. Uh, uh, by the... The first victim or great game? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was... His, his mission was to Saudi Arabia, and uh, he, had, uh, he had parroted back to Washington. He was with the Office of Strategic Services at this time, OSS. His cover was cultural attache because he was an expert on the region. But anyway, in 1947, he was going to Saudi Arabia. He had already said... His mission was, and I quote, to control the oil at all costs. This is very important. It's a meme that continues all the way up to the present. That's what I found out. But anyway, he goes to Saudi Arabia, and the whole issue is where is this pipeline going to terminate? Because it's going to be feeding oil to Europe to help the reconstruction of Europe. Very, very important. 
And um, so it was a question of whether it would terminate in Haifa or whether it would terminate in southern Lebanon near Sidon. Uh, he advocated for southern Lebanon because at the time, this is 1947, there was huge turmoil in Palestine. Uh, you know, the, the Jews were fighting the British and, uh, and the Arabs. There was just, quote, there was too much unrest. And you will never get a bank to finance a pipeline if there's unrest in the area. So what do you do about it? Uh, you, you either, you know, wipe out the people that are causing the unrest or you use gentler means to, to, to pacify them. But in any event, that was his mission. Um, and uh, he wrote his last report. Uh, he said there's a real problem because the Syrian president, um, that would be uh, Kuwatli, his name, um, of Syria, uh, he was anti-Zionist, he was a, a nationalist, and he did not want the pipeline traversing uh, to, uh, to Palestine or e even through Syria. And that was my father's last report. Uh, he gets on the plane with five others, including the uh, U.S. petroleum attaché. So that was a tip-off to me that oil was in very much a subject, even to his trip to Ethiopia. They were going to go there. The U.S. had just gotten an exclusive concession in Ethiopia, as they had in Saudi Arabia, uh, much to the distress of our allies, the, the British, the French, and the Russians. They were really peeved that America was really moving in on these vital territories. And uh, the plane was full of uh, top-secret equipment and aerial cameras. I suspect that was because they were going to um, photograph pipeline routes in the plane. Uh, the plane uh, never made it to Ethiopia. It crashed in some mountains. And uh, I've sued the CIA. I've done a huge amount of work on this to try to figure out who was responsible. And I have a hypothesis. Uh, I can't fully prove it. I, I may still be working on it. But maybe I should uh, leave that as a mystery for people before I say who I think was responsible. Well, I, I like think... I, I think, and, and let me ask you to answer with one word to this question. I have some people to thank, but um, what you're saying, just to clarify, is that the CIA, um, its role has never been to protect the American people. Its, it's um, role has been to protect oil for the government and and the rich folks of the United States yeah is that correct yeah that 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 is sadly true i uh, i i should just interject that um previously uh my husband Gerard Colby uh, and I uh, wrote a book about the genocide of indigenous peoples in the Amazon yeah. in the 60s and 70s, and that was all about oil. Uh, and the title of the book, just to give you a hint, is Thy Will Be Done, The Conquest of the, of the Amazon, Nelson Rockefeller and Evangelism in the Age of Oil. By my doing that investigation, uh, I uncovered you know, how they go about it. And, and some people have called our book uh, uh, An Anatomy of Conquest. I learned the lessons that I did in that case. Charlotte, and I, the, uh, I, CIA I, was involved, yes. Yeah, I realize now that you and I must have talked before because I did a show about that book. Maybe with your oh, husband, I'm I not sure. Uh, it was a no, long it time ago. Yeah. yeah, because... 
your, your Wisconsin station was one of the few that would have us on, and I applaud you for that. It's not easy, you know. Our and station. You talk about these powers, yes. Our station and this show specifically. Folks, if you appreciate that, you know what to do. What should they do, Karma? Absolutely. You need to get on the phone right now at 608-256-2001, extension 1, or jump online at wortfm.org and click that orange donate button. I mean, this is really amazing. One, that you've been doing shows of this quality for so long, Esty, that you can't even remember all the shows you've done. 28 years now, yeah. But two, oh, that's, that's um, amazing. Yeah, and you're, you're doing shows that nobody else will do. I mean, we just heard that from the author, um, that few others would do it. And so I think everyone needs to uh, really express their appreciation uh, by getting on the phone at 608-256-2001, extension 1. Uh, and making uh, your, your gratitude for uh, Estee's amazing work known um, through your donation for the station. All right. And yeah, we yeah. have... Go ahead, Charlotte. Estee, I feel like interviewing you someday. I mean, what a career <laughs> you've had. <laughs> yeah. You know, bucking up, bucking up against the big guys is very risky. And I have to say that book, Thy Will Be Done, was, was suppressed. It finally got rescued as an e-book by Open Road Media. Uh, you can get it as an ebook, but you know this is what we're facing. And as you know, uh, one of the things that are happening now with the war in Gaza is you've got tremendous um, uh, propaganda expertise by uh, Israel that I think journalists are coming to understand that they can't believe everything that's been t- told. Uh, but, you know, you, you criticize Israel and you're called anti-Semitic, and then that just shuts people up right away. I think people are getting over that and are seeing through it. But it, it's just, you know, you, when you're talking about the Middle East, you have to be very careful. Uh, and you've got to have your facts uh, documented, which I do in my book, by the way. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, I don't want it suppressed again. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, we have so we have four um, new donations of pledges. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Susan has increased her uh, per month um, donation, and we appreciate that so much. Susan, who likes Estes APA and Democracy Now, they are invaluable these days, and. Uh, you know, let me not be uh, Midwest humble and say, yes, I agree. Um, I think that uh, what we do here is essential, and um, I'm, I'm proud of what I'm doing. And, and, you know, like Charlotte just said, it's dangerous. Uh, I'm getting a lot of attacks from Israel and from Jews here in uh, Madison. It's been very hard, um, but... You know, I'm, I am trying to bring the truth to you every week. So um, I appreciate that you're responding. We still need a lot more. Um, we did get um, also a uh, pledge from uh, John in Madison, who likes Esty and Alan Ruff, and back to the country. Thank you so much, John. And um we got another one from Gregory in Sand Prairie, and thank you so very much, uh, Gregory, who likes Sunday, um, the current transmission. And then we have the latest one is from Will, 
Who likes a public affair Friday? I like it like that. Green Morning Radio. And his comment is, I haven't lived in Madison since 1990, but I still haven't found better radio music commentary insight. That's like you, Karma, huh? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what I love seeing that. I mean, I didn't leave in 1990, but about the same. And so I love seeing that. That's exactly right. I mean, thank God for the Internet. Um, and I also want to say we just got another uh, pledge in from some of our great friends up in Ontario, uh, Dina and Lauren, and they say to the great work of Esti and Karma. Uh, and so people are, are really appreciating the work that you do. Yeah, and good to hear from you. So you know Dina and Lauren too, huh? I do, yeah. I've worked closely with them for years. Uh-huh. Good people. Well, folks, we need you to continue pledging and donating, and we are um, going to continue talking with um, Charlotte. So uh, you mentioned several times uh, the so-called special relationship between the United States and um, Israel. You said at some point that um, Israel was, and I'm asking if it still is, the military base that would protect the Trans-Arabian pipeline. And... Um, You talk elsewhere about the special relations and and what um what it is about. So I think you 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 talked about it to some degree already, but um if you can expand on that and if you want to talk about um George Bush and his attacks on the Middle East, yeah, well, this is something. That occurred to me i 'll tell you a little story i I was visiting Lebanon with my family, and uh, my brother is a philosopher and was teaching at it had a seminar at a u b His name's Daniel Dennett. My father's name is Daniel Dennett too, but at any rate i we were sitting on uh, around a table, and I had all these maps out on the table. I was trying to explain to them that if you look at these maps and you look at the pipeline routes. A lot of stuff becomes clear why certain wars were fought and so on um, <clears throat> and remember what my father said: we must protect them at all costs, and that means military protection so i I was pointing out like the here here 's the pipeline that was supposed to run through Afghanistan, but it never did uh, he, here 's the root of the the two pipelines in Syria that were competing against each other and um, uh, You know, here, here's where the military is stationed in Afghanistan and in Iraq. Where, where did the troops go? They went to protect the pipelines. So I was doing this whole thing, and I was thinking, well, where, where is the, the military protection of the Trans-Arabian pipeline? You know, because there are usually military outposts along the lines. And it suddenly hit me. It wasn't in Israel. It was Israel. This was just mind-blowing to me. It yeah. suddenly all made sense. Why do we pour in billions of dollars of military to support Israel? Yes, we, it is to support it because it's, you know, among a sea of, uh, of Arabs and they're all out to, to destroy Israel. That, that's the usual argument. But what is never argued is how important it is to protect that oil. And there's a reason for that. What mother would want to send her husband or her children off to war if she knew it was to protect pipelines and the profits of oil companies. It doesn't work. So you always have to have a pretext. We all know about, for instance, George W. Bush. Um, 
and uh, he was talking about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Uh, behind that story is that the plan was, and this was in coordination with Israel, the plan was uh, that a man named Ahmed Chalabi would replace Saddam Hussein, who would be overthrown. Ahmed Chalabi was in favor of reopening the Iraq petroleum pipeline that had been closed in 1948. And Netanyahu was, was a cheerleader for this pipeline. And in fact, when Bush sent the troops in, right afterwards, Netanyahu boasted that soon the oil will be flowing to Haifa. It's not a pipe dream. Well, as it turns out, it still is a pipe dream. But there are other pipe dreams afoot, and one of them is to reopen the Trans-Arabian pipeline that was closed in, uh, it, during the uh, Civil War that, that consumed Lebanon for 15 years. I think it was closed around 1983. Um, yes, I think it's part of the uh, Abraham Accords. I've got a piece on it. Trans-Arabian pipeline with oil terminal Haifa may become a reality. This was a piece written in 2020. And uh, so, so yeah, um, you know, when oil and natural gas were, were discovered off the coast of Israel in 2000, um, that was the beginning of intense uh, activity. Once again, different, different countries vying to control. And uh, what I learned is that in that case, uh, um, Netanyahu and the Likud party were determined that the over billions of dollars worth of reserves off the coast of Gaza would not go to the Palestinians. And so there were two invasions, massive invasions. The first one was in 2009, and the purpose of that was to prevent, um, to, to, to uh, sort of wipe out, if they could, Gaza and prevent them from getting the oil. And I even have a quote from a defense minister who uh, says that... Um, at the time, no, 2007, he later became defense minister. But in 2000, 2007, he was saying that um, the, the Palestinians cannot have this oil and natural gas because they're, they're going to uh, put it into terrorism. And you know, when it was discovered, Arafat, who was in charge of the uh, Palestine Authority at the time, uh, was saying, oh, my God, at last. At last, we can have our own economy. We can have our own autonomy. Mm -hmm. Netanyahu wanted none of this. So um, th there's even a, a quote. Let's see if I can find it. That they, um, uh, the proceeds would quote like this likely serve to fund terror attacks against Israel. It is clear he added, and get this, without an overall military operation to uproot Hamas control of Gaza, no drilling work can take place. So there you go. And then it happened again, uh, even more vicious attacks in 2014. Uh, and those killed uh, 2,100 Palestinians, and three-quarters of them were civilians. And uh, again, this was to prevent them from, from getting a monopoly over the what's called the Gaza Marine. And at this point, a much larger field was discovered off the coast, and uh, it's called uh, the Leviathan Field. All told, there is uh, an estimated, are you ready for this, 50 
No, $500 billion worth of oil and gas off the coast. And what, what Netanyahu's dream is to develop an energy corridor uh, going right, you know, pipelines going right up the coast and feeding natural gas and oil to guess where? Europe, which is scrambling for alternative energy supplies because of the war in Ukraine. You see, it's all linked. It's, and, and, and you aren't hearing any of this. And the major reason why you haven't heard any of this in the past is because it's the fuel of the military. So it's all top-secret stuff. And uh, there are a few of us that are speaking out now. By now, it has become so obvious, so obvious. I mean, there's the sabotage of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that that we could talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's also... Of course, this war, this horrific uh, genocidal war in uh, Gaza, um, and I, it's slowly trickling out. It's because you know there's so much oil and natural gas off the coast. I mean, you can't avoid it. it, it it's uh, everyone's scrambling for it, so it's there for all to see. But but, but it really no does not make it to the media. We, you really do not hear about that. Um, no, you don't hear it. I, I'm very sorry. You don't hear about that aspect. You're right. That se- They seem to have instructions not to discuss it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is there are a few of us that are trying to get the word out one way or the other. Right. So yeah. your station is remarkable for for allowing me to explain this. And uh, so I, I really encourage people to support SD's work and, and the station. I hope people get the book because it it's full of information and it, it will help you understand these torturous times. Yeah. And um, I have to say also to our listeners that um, we probably will be talking for the rest of the hour still about Gaza, but Gaza is just one chapter in a book that is so full of information that um, it really turns your head. <laughs> like, whoa, you know, like it, it's it's hard to um, digest everything uh, because there is so much in it. And um, we have some more, <clears throat> sorry, we have some more people to thank. Um, here I got pledges from Richard, who like Estes and Allen's shows, and Mad Acres. Thank you so very much, Richard. And also from another person who doesn't live in town anymore, um, Willie Becker, who likes Esty and Allen's shows. Uh, thank you, Willie, and good to hear from you. And you got one there online too, Karma, didn't you? Absolutely. We got a, a good uh, looking donation here from Tim. Uh, Tim also is a big fan of Europublic Affair as well as the 8 o'clock buzz, specifically on Tuesday, and also likes something wonderful. So thanks, Tim, for your donation. Yeah. And we need to hear from you, too, who haven't called yet. Where, um, where, do, where can we hear from them, Karma? We need them to get on the phone at 608-256-2001, extension 1. Also, get online at wortfm.org and click that orange donate button. Uh, those are the two easiest ways to do it. There's, uh, again, we can mention, you know, there's a lot of good stuff to get. Uh, if that motivates you, I've been uh, eyeing this pair of uh, WORT binoculars. Uh, these are uh, really quite fancy binoculars. And then the case has the WORT logo 
in red on the front. And so, uh, you know, one of many things available to you if you want to check out uh, to give to this station that you love so much that is the only one, as we've been hearing over and over, uh, that reports on, uh, on the kind of news that you're hearing about today. Yeah, so we're going to um, go back to um, the discussion with Charlotte because there is so much more to talk about, and we do trust you. We're getting close to our goal. Um, we need to hear from several more of you. Um, we, we are supposed to get 20 calls, um, and we're not quite there. Karma, right? I mean, I don't know if you kept an eye, but... Um, we are we, we are a little over halfway there by my count. I'll do a I'll try and get a more accurate count for the next time we check in. But we still need some people to get on the phone. We do hear the phones ringing right now. I think is that right? Uh, and you can so you can donate online instead. Worthfm.org/donate. So um, you know, as you talk about the huge amounts of um, oil that is right there in and um, around Gaza, in in the waters that um, should rightly belong to Gaza, Gaza should be um, a place of great abundance and, and wealth. But instead, we've seen so far at least 15,000 people dead, at least 6,000 children, about the same number of women. I, um, I, I mean, when I go to sleep, I see in my mind's eye a pregnant woman and her kids smashed under rubble and not being able to be pulled out because it you know, Israel keeps raining um, bombs on them, and now it's going on all over again. So the price is so very high. And um, I wonder uh, what you think about, I'll give you a few tidbits. So uh, the New York Times from yesterday uh, reported that Israeli officials obtained Hamas's battle plan more than a year a year before the October 7 attack, but dismissed it as aspirational, documents show. Plus, I'm sure you remember, in one of the said warnings, Egypt's intelligence manager, General Abbas Kamel, personally called Netanyahu only 10 days before the, the Hamas attack um, to let him know that they were likely to do, and this is a quote, something unusual, a terrible operation, and yet... Um, Netanyahu did anything, nothing, nothing about it. He didn't even move more soldiers to the border there. He basically allowed that to happen. And now we're seeing how he's allowing the Israeli hostages to remain hostages because he was in a hurry to start bombing the Palestinians again. And then another piece of information is that since the the, it, the war, as they call it, started, it's not a war, it's an attack, it's a military attack on civilian population. Since that started, Israel has already awarded a dozen oil and gas exploration licenses in Palestine to six different big oil companies, including BP, British Petroleum. Um, what, what do you think about all of that? Well, you're ahead of me on that one, Esty. I'd be interested in the source on that one. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, did that come out just just in the 
past few days? The, yeah, the yeah. Um, already in there? Yeah, I think... I'm trying to remember where I got it from. Unfortunately, I didn't know the... Um, the, the source. source. It's okay. You can send it to me later. Okay, I would love it sure. If you could email it to me. That would be great, which, you know, just confirms what I'm saying. And, um, yeah, the, this is just, just so appalling. Um, it, I mean, I have trouble sleeping at night. I just, I mean, the, the pictures. And, of course, you know, more and more is coming out. For instance, I just saw an Israeli uh, military person who used to guard Gaza. Uh, there's a um, video of him talking about it. And, he's, and he says, uh, this is ridiculous, to say that uh, Israel was caught by, by surprise. You, you, there's no place probably in the world that is more heavily um, scrutinized and... and um, you know, they've got one of the most sophisticated uh, security operations going. And uh, so t- to say that there were all these breaches in the fences and then these um, Hamas uh, uh, militants storm the area, storm Israel, they're allowed to, to continue, get this, for seven hours. I didn't know that. Seven hours. Mm, uh, and then they were allowed to take hostages. And, yes. and, and, and Israel did nothing. Give me a break. So people are increasingly understanding, and I think I even heard it in your description, Netanyahu let this happen. This was his pretext and, and uh, to, to do the massive wipeout invasion, which he's wanted to do all along. Um, and that, it, it, uh, what can I say, it's, be, it's becoming known. And this, this will uh, have an impact on him. He, I do not think that he is going to survive this because, as everyone knows, he's uh, uh, facing corruption charges and he's trying to stay out of jail, just like Donald Trump. How disgusting. You know, what will you do to protect yourself and stay out of jail? You'll commit genocide? That's wonderful. And then the other part of it is that um, it's distressing that the, uh, the, the, the Biden administration, you know, gave his unequivocal support in the beginning, I have no idea if he understood what this meant. As it got worse and worse, of course, he had to react. He had to to say, please, please, you know, protect civilians. But it's not going to happen. They don't care. Uh, the the defense minister has stated we're going to we're going to do the siege and we're going to you know wipe them out. So um, what can I say? In fact, I'll give you the the exact quote here. He says. This is uh, Defense Minister Gallant. I have ordered a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. There will be no electricity, no food, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are we are fighting human animals, and we will act accordingly. So, right, right. Um, but but why did the the Biden administration hang out for so long uh, in, in support of Israel? Well, that goes back to the special relationship. It also goes back to the the fact that it's well known that um, that Jews in America tend to vote Democrat. So he's got to worry about that. But there's also uh, you know there there are Muslim populations, and now he's got to worry about young people. Young people are looking at this right. and they're saying, "What is this about?" You know, they're, 
Well, they, and I mean, I especially after after reading your book, I think it's also about the oil. He wants um, Netanyahu or you know whoever the Israeli um, government is at the time to have the oil rather than yeah. the Palestinians who you know they just decided they don't deserve it, right? Well, well, he's saying you know there has to be they can't be thrown out, and there has to be a new state, so to speak. But I've learned ever since I was a journalist in Lebanon back in the uh, 70s, and there were discussions about the two-state solution. And there were, there were some Palestinians who said that'll never work if, if the state cannot protect itself. Right. You know, there's always this talk about there has to be uh, the security for Israel. Well, there also has to be security for Gaza and the West Bank, which means they have to be armed. But Netanyahu is saying, oh, no. They all have to be disarmed. Meanwhile, as I noted, you can't have an infrastructure project built unless um, unless there's uh, peace in the area. Yes. And um, so this may be the grand plan. This part I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I cer- certainly it's Netanyahu's grand plan to have an energy corridor, and I think the U.S. was behind it. And as you know, the U.S. is still trying to um, better relationships between Israel and uh, Saudi Arabia. So uh, something is definitely afoot. There's this other thing called the uh, Ben-Gurion Canal. Do you know about that? Yeah, and actually I want to ask you about that before we're done, but let me quickly um, offer thanks, gratitude to the latest uh, people who have pledged to us. We have two Barbaras. Um, Barbara Olson, um, of course, of the um, Madison Rafa Sisters City. Thank you very much, um, Barbara, who who wants to read your book. And let me um, tell you again, it's t- it's titled "Follow the Pipelines: Uncovering the Mystery of a Lost Spy and the Deadly Politics of the Great Game for Oil." And our guest is Charlotte Dennett, D E N N E T. Um, and we don't have the book, but I'm sure you can find it. And, and maybe Charlotte can tell you in a minute where. But thank you very much, Barbara, who likes APA, Salamat, and Worldview. Thank you very much also to Barbara Furstenberg, who... Uh, who says, gratitude for Estes Middle East coverage. Thank you, uh, Barbara. And we got another one from Nancy, who likes Estes and Allen's um, APAs, letter and politics. And she says, thank you. Especially appreciate news coverage. And we're not quite at 20 yet, are we, Karma, right? Really quickly? Yeah, I don't think we're quite there. I think we're at about 15, 14, so in these 15, last four minutes, we yeah, need folks yeah. to get on the phone. Yeah. So, um, Charlotte, in uh, we're trusting our folks to four more, four or five more to um, call or, um, play or, or donate online. But in the meantime, tell us about the canal, too, because that's a big part of that. Yes. Um, it's a project that's been in the works my understanding is uh, planning for it ahead of time uh, for several years. The idea is it would be a competitor to the Suez Canal. Uh, Ships could uh, trade up and down it faster. I can't help but think oil tankers as well, which never get mentioned. You know, the Suez Canal is always talking about, you know, ships going through there, but they don't say oil tankers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, to come back, 
this canal would run, guess where, from the tip of Gaza, then all the way south, and then it, it connects um, to a port um, it, uh, that connects to the Red Sea, and uh, that, that's controlled by, by Jordan, but it's right next to Israel, and then it would connect to the Red Sea. Uh, and the Red Sea is a major thoroughfare uh, for commerce and of particular concern, oil tankers, because, you know, they can take uh, oil from Asia, the Middle East, whatever, go up through the Red Sea uh, and um, eventually connect to um, the Suez Canal and then Eastern Mediterranean. So this is a shortcut they're planning. And um, so that that's another element. And, and if you look on a map, you can Google it, you know, and the Ben-Gurion Canal, and you can find maps. And, ben and one Gurion of the Canal. interesting things about the maps is that it will also connect with a, the futuristic city that Saudi Arabia is planning called Neom. This is like some sh- super high-tech city. They, you know, the Saudis want to diversify <laughs> uh, from from oil. Uh, I don't know if they really need to, but nonetheless, that's what they're planning. So this yeah. is a whole operational scheme uh, by by big energy, and uh, I I suspect that Hamas uh, got wind of it and figured that once that goes into effect, you know, they 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 will be considered irrelevant. Yeah. So this may have been the cause uh for the attack that happened. There's a lot of speculation on that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Charlotte, um we are out of time. I appreciate so much your work and that you have joined us today again, Charlotte Dennett, D E N N E T T. The book is Follow the Pipelines: Uncovering the Mystery of a Lost Spy and the daily politics of the great game for oil. And like I said, this hour, we talk just about one chapter of, of this book. And I have another person to thank who is apparently uh, your friend, Charlotte, Beth Kubli. And... Uh, <laughs> Hi, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I let her know. Oh, yeah, we go way back. Great to hear. And by the way, you can get the book on Amazon. Amazon.com is the best way. Even my publisher prefers it. So. Okay. And Beth yeah. likes anything that plays when she drives. Thank you very much, Beth, too. Uh, thank you to the ones of you who are still pledging or donating, and I can thank them when the funny boys are on. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Karma. Thank you, Jade and Summer and Shelly. Thank you all for uh, supporting us this hour. I'm Esti Dinor. We'll be talking again next week. Bye-bye.